Uh, Y'all, today we are continuing our series, Give. And so if you have your Bible and you would like to see where we're going to be uh, reading today, we're going to be looking at John chapter 6, verses 4 through 14 in just a few moments. Uh, Now, I'm I'm not a gambling person, but I have to admit that whenever the Powerball got up to $1.6 billion, I was a little bit intrigued. Uh, I had some of y'all come to me and tell me that you said, hey, if I happen to win this, um, I'm going to give a big chunk of it to the church. And so I must confess sins. I was praying that one of you guys would pull off the Powerball ticket. Now, of course, it did not happen. But, you know, everybody's always looking or people are always looking for a big win. You know, we're looking for something that's going to, you know, just sort of put us over the top in life. And there's a reason for that. Uh, People are very much in financial straits. And so I think that's why one of the reasons why you saw so much attention given to a $1.6 billion Powerball. Uh, There was a a website called Business Business News, and they said that on average, an American on average is in debt $225,000 and has less than $500 in their savings account. Now, just to let you all know, that's, that's not very good. And so there's a lot of people that are going through financial strain in their lives. And then, of course, to top it off, to make everybody feel better, you get to come into church today, and then you look in your bulletin, and you see that we're going through a series called Give. And you're like, great! You know, just throw one more thing on top of my financial strain. And so whenever we think of giving, a lot of times people think, well, how in the world can I give? I mean, I'm I'm broke. You know, how in the world can, can I give? Or how in the world can you talk about this subject when so many of us are struggling in our finances? Well, I'm here today to give you answers. We're going to look into the Bible and just simply, simply see what Scripture has today. And today in our Scripture, we're going to see that Jesus was ministering to a group of people who are very much like we are. As a matter of fact, when we look into our text, you're going to say, man, it looks like that Jesus needed to give something to these people and not the other way around. But what we're going to look at today is hopefully we're going to see that God is going to share with us through this text today about how we can be good givers, how we can be blessed givers. And we're going to see that in John chapter 6 and verse number 4 in just a few moments. Now, the background of this story is Jesus is on the, the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And the Sea of Galilee, it is in northern Israel. I'm sure that you've heard of this lake before. There's a couple of you know, important events that happen there. Uh, one of the things that happened there, if you remember on the Sea of Galilee, is this place where Jesus walked on water. Uh, it is a, a, it's a literal place. Just last month, me and Emily, were, we were able to be on a boat in the Sea of Galilee. And we were, as we were riding on that boat, we went by the place that our text talks about today. It is where Jesus fed the 5,000 people. Now, are you all familiar with that story? There's a, there's a story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 people. And the scholars say that the Bible mentions that it was 5,000 men. Now, if you add in all the women and children, this was a crowd probably around fifteen to 20,000 people that had gathered in order to hear Jesus teach. Now the question is, why were there so many people there? You know, why were people so interested? Well, it's because, I mean, for one, you know, Jesus is a guy that's walked on water. I mean, that's kind of, that makes you a little bit curious. Uh, you read through the scriptures, you'll see that Jesus had healed blind people. He'd raised people from the dead. And so anytime something like that happens with the person, I mean, that's going to sort of pique your curiosity. Like, I want to see that guy. You know, give me, give me tickets. I want a front row seat for this man. 
But while this story is a story of Jesus feeding the 5,000, it's also a story that shares with us some lessons on giving. And that's where I want our focus to be today. And you might say, well, how in the world can we give when we struggle financially? How in the world can we be expected to do anything whenever we are financially strained? And so today what we're going to see is Jesus sharing with us how we can approach giving when we don't feel like we have anything to give. And so I just want us to look in our scripture today, and then the first approach to giving that Jesus points out to us today is this. Start with what you have. When it comes to your giving, just simply start with what you have. And in verse number 4 of chapter 6, it says, Now the Passover, a Jewish festival, was near. Therefore, when Jesus looked up and noticed a huge crowd coming toward him, he asked Philip, Where will we buy bread so that these people can eat? And he asked this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. And Philip answered, 200 denarii wouldn't, worth of bread wouldn't be enough for each of them to have a little. And one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, Well, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they for so many? And then Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Um, Jesus had, he, was, he had healed people, had been teaching for a long time. He gets in the boat with, the, with his disciples on the Sea of Galilee. He says, let's go, let's go to the other side. And so they get in the boat. It says the crowd followed him. Now, I've always wondered, I'm like, how do they follow a boat, you know, whenever they're walking around on land? One thing that I, that I discovered is back during these days, uh, that very rarely would you take a boat out into the middle of a lake and just cross all the way across, uh, across the middle. Because if a storm popped up, I mean, you know, you're sort of, you just got sails. And if a storm popped up, you're in trouble. And so what fishermen would do is they would just simply sail along the coast. And so it was easy for the crowds to walk along as the boat was sailing along the coast. And there was a ton of people that were following after Jesus. Like I said before, I mean, can you imagine you're on a boat and you look over and you see fifteen to 20,000 people just walking alongside waiting for you to stop. Now, one of the reasons why there were so many people there is if you look in verse number 4, it says it's Passover season. Passover season was a Jewish holiday. Hundreds of thousands of people in this region would have traveled to Jerusalem to go to the temple in order to celebrate and to, to, to remember God delivering the Hebrew people from Egyptian captivity. So there's already a lot of people in the region, and 20,000 of them right around there are walking after Jesus. Now, if you are a guy on a boat, or a woman on a boat, and you look out and you realize there are 20,000 people who are following me, do you think that's going to, is that sort of like an ego boost? You're thinking, I'm doing pretty good. I mean, 20,000 people are coming out here in order to just simply see me. But with Jesus, Jesus wasn't thinking about himself when he saw all those people. It's interesting to see that Jesus was thinking about them. And we know that he was thinking about him, about them because we are told that, the, that in the Gospels, which by the way, this story is the only miracle in all four Gospels, but we're told this in Matthew 14, 14 through 15. It says the disciples, they came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, this place is a wilderness and it's getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go into the villages and buy food for themselves. They don't need to go away, Jesus told them. You give them something to eat. Now the issue was it was getting late. 
there's a lot of people, and they're getting hungry, and Jesus notices it. And he says, we got to do something for these people. We need to feed them. Now, I look into the scripture, and I see there's one guy here in the Bible that's very much like us, a guy named Philip. He's one of the disciples of Jesus. He's a pragmatist. Jesus says, you need to figure out how to feed them. And, and basically, Philip's like, man, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, how do we feed 20,000 people? And he's looking at Jesus like, You've got, this is, there's no way that we're going to be able to do this. As a matter of fact, he said, even if I had 200 denarii, which, you know, that's, that's money. And that was, that was 200 days worth of wages. He said, even if I had that much money, which I don't, we wouldn't even be able to touch this crowd. I mean, he's a guy that's saying, Lord, we're broke. Lord, we don't have anything to give. How could we do anything? And I look at Philip and I think, I like this guy. I mean, this guy makes sense. I mean, he's simply giving an excuse that many of us have. Lord, Lord, how can you expect me to do anything when I don't have anything to give? God, how can you expect me to do anything when, when I've, got, you know, I've got children, I've got kids that are, that are getting ready to go off to college, I've got a house payment to make. Lord, there's just not enough for me to do anything. But here's the neat thing that I see in our text, and that is that Jesus simply calls us to start with what we have, not with what we don't have. You know, there are a whole lot of needs in our world today where it's easy to think, man, you know, I don't have a lot to offer. Lord, what is my giving going to do? It's really not going to make that much of an impact. And that's where Andrew comes into the story here. Andrew, who is the brother of Peter, he just sort of takes a long shot here. Jesus is like, we've we got to feed this crowd. And Andrew says, well, there's this little boy over here. He's got two fish and five loaves of bread. Now, I can't do a whole lot for 20,000 people, but maybe we can feed, you know, one guy. Now, what's interesting about the bread, the bread was barley bread. This was the lowest form of bread that there was. As a matter of fact, mainly they used it to feed animals. Uh, the two fish. You know, I've always, in my mind, I've always pictured, man, those are some pretty, you know, some big old, you know, maybe it's bonita or something like that. It, it wasn't salmon. You know what the two fish were? Sardines. I mean, you talk about, like, the worst thing. I mean, I'm thinking, you know, man, could you please, goldfish would be the only thing worse, like what you got today in your chairs. And so he's like, we got five loaves of bread and we got two sardines. Do you think that's going to feed anybody? I mean, I think I'm looking at that meal and I'm thinking at best it might, it might feed a skinny guy like me, but that's about it. It's not exactly what you would call a feast. It was all they had. But here's the neat thing. It was all they needed. It was all they had, but it was all they needed. Because when Jesus takes what you share with him... He blesses it. You know what that means? It means that everybody's gift, regardless of its size, is always acceptable to God. You know, a lot of us think, you know, if I just had more, I'd give more. There, there was a study that was done in 2007 by Forbes magazine. They said there were, at the time there were 946 billionaires in the world. You know what their average charitable giving was? 1.2%. Guys, just because you have more does not mean that you give more. And so my encouragement for you and for me is be generous with whatever you have. Be generous in whatever you have because God's entrusted it to you. 
And, and it's only when you're generous that you're going to be able to discover what Jesus said when He said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And so whenever I look into our text today, I see whenever it comes to giving, let your first approach be this. Start with what you have. God's not asking you to do something with something that you don't have. He said, just simply start with what you have. But then the second approach to giving that I see is make sure that whatever you do have, give what you have, give it to Jesus. You want to give it to Jesus. Now, look with me in verses, let's see, verses 10 and 11. It says, Then Jesus said, Have the people sit down. And there was plenty of grass in that place, and so they sat down, and the men numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, and after giving thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also with the fish, as much as they wanted. You know, I, I think that everybody in this room, whenever it comes to our spending, we want to get the most bang for our buck, right? Uh, a few years ago, I remember that some of the ladies in the group, I think maybe Becky, you did it, they had, uh, we had a couponing, uh, we had a couponing thing, or whatever you call those things. And so how to use coupons. And one of the ladies said that she, when she bought groceries, when she used her coupons, she was able to save like 40 to 75% on her grocery bill because she wanted to get the most bang for her buck. Now, that's a, that lady's pretty committed. Now, not only should we want to get the most bang for our buck in our spending, but I believe that we should want to get the most bang for our buck when it comes to our giving. Now, the power of the story doesn't come from the fact that a little boy had five loaves of bread and two fish. And that's not the power of the story. If that was the power of the story, then, you know, Philip and Andrew would have just simply picked up the, the five loaves and the two fish, and they'd have gone out and started feeding 20,000 people. How far do you think that would have gone? And the, the, the power was not in the food. Where was the power? The power came because of to whom they gave the food. To whom they gave their offering. Who did they give it to? Y'all get to participate here. They gave it to Jesus, right? They gave it to Jesus. Now, when Jesus took it, what did Jesus do? He blessed it. Now, did that blessing do anything? Well, if you look in verse number 11, they hand out the food and it says, as much as they wanted. Jesus took that little offering and then he turned it into a feast. And that's exactly what Jesus does whenever we offer him what we have. He takes our gift and he multiplies it. He takes our gift and he uses it in order to bring satisfaction. And it's, it still happens. It happens all the time. You know, I, I look at, at the giving of, of just this church and I see how God has taken the giving of this church and how He's blessed it and how He's multiplied it. You know, whenever the church started, there was Emily, Hank, Glenn, Janie, and me. And then there was a bunch of crazy people who came alongside us and said, we want to give. Let me tell you something, we had nothing to offer. Isn't that great? I'm so glad y'all didn't come when we first started. We had zero to offer. We had nothing for children. We had nothing for you. We did not have a building. We had a budget on paper. <laughs> and that's it. We had nothing to offer. But we had people that invested. And then I look back, and I, or actually I look to where we are now, and I look around and say, that's God. God took 
the little that we had to offer, and he blessed it, and he turned it into something great. Now, when I look into our, our story today, I see that there were, there were thousands of people that were in need of being fed, and Jesus performed a miracle, and he did so for you and for me to remind us that God supplies our needs. He supplies them all. We're told in Philippians 4.19, My God will meet all your needs according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Now sometimes it can be tough to think about giving. And I understand that. I mean, we got bills to pay. we got things that we want to do. But God tells us, He said, if you trust me, He said, I'm going to take care of you. There's an old story about a, a mother talking to a little girl. She was in bed and she was the girl scared. She's scared of the dark. And so she, mom sat down next to her, and she's talking to her daughter, trying to calm her down. And the little girl looks up at the mom and says, Mom, does God, does God ever sleep? I said, Honey, he never sleeps. He is always awake. And the little girl said, Well, if God's always awake, there's no need of both of us staying up. And so she turned over and went to sleep. You know, as I thought about that, I thought, man, if we would just simply approach life like that little girl did and realize God never sleeps. The Bible says he never sleeps nor slumbers. He always has his eyes on his people. And so if he does, then that means that we ought to be able to relax and rest and say, you know what? God has promised to take care of his people. So whenever it comes to giving, now here's, this is for me. My first approach to giving is I want to start with what I have. And then the second thing is, I, whatever I have, I want to make sure that I'm giving it to Jesus. And then this is the last thing. My final approach is this. Then I want to watch for what he will supply. As I give, then I want to see what God's going to do with that. In verse number 12, it says, And when they were full, so they've already fed everybody. When they were full, he told his disciples, Collect the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. And so they collected them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces from the five barley loaves that were left over by those who'd eaten. And when the people saw the sign he had done, they said, this really is the prophet who has come into the world. The Bible challenges us all throughout Scripture to make sure that we are good stewards with what God has given us. And this is re-emphasized. Last week we talked about Malachi chapter 3 and verse number 10. God calls for his people to give, to give to the storehouse, to give to the church. Now if you're a skeptic, and I know some of you are, if you're a skeptic you might say this is some sort of ploy that preachers have come up with so that they can get paid. And, I, and I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I look at that and I think that is a pretty good little scheme they got going on here. But, but that's, that's not the purpose of why God calls people to give. You see, the tithe isn't just simply to milk the congregation out of their funds. The giving of the tithe, you know what it is really? It's a demonstration of faith. It's a demonstration where we say, God, we understand that everything belongs to you, and I'm going to take the first of what I have, and I'm going to entrust it to you, recognizing and showing to you that I believe that you are the owner of all things and my grip on the things of this world will not be tight. Now, the giving of the tithe, it's also a challenge. That's one thing that I, I think is really cool. God challenges his people. In Malachi 3.10 again, here's what it says. It says, bring the full tenth into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. 
Test me in this way, says the Lord of hosts. See if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing for you without measure. Now here's what I like about what God's word says. God says, I am calling you to give. Now that would be an easy thing to do. I can, I can demand things out of people. That's not the hard thing to do. But here's the neat thing. God says, test me. He says, test me in this. And then see what I will do. God doesn't just give us a command and then just walk away from it. He says, I'm giving you a command, and as you are obedient, watch and wait to see what will happen. Well, what is, what's going to happen? Well, if you go on in verse number 10, he says, See if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing for you without measure. Now, what's going on in our, going on in our text? The, the boy in our text, he gave two fish and he gave five loaves of bread. What did Jesus do? He took it and he blessed it. Now, when he blessed it, what happened? It says they fed the t- about fifteen to 20,000 people and it says, and they were full. Now that is a mind-blowing thing right there. It doesn't say they all got a little tiny, you know, it's not like they broke it up into little tiny pieces and had a little bite and said, well, isn't that amazing? We all got a crumb. It says they were full. And not only that, they ended up picking up 12 basketfuls of leftovers. Now that word full, when it says they were full, it is a picture of an animal going to a trough and eating, and he turns away and he walks away from it because he can't eat anymore. He's full. Yeah, that, that's what God does with us. What, what God is saying is, I will satisfy. I will fill you up to where you don't need anything else, where you begin to understand there's only one thing in life that I need, and that is Jesus. I don't need anything else because He will fill me up. And then to top everything off, he, Jesus says, man, I provide leftovers. He gives leftovers. And in our story, the multitude had been filled, but then they go and they pick up 12 more baskets. This reminds me of, of Psalm 23, 5. Whenever David said this, he said, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. To say your cup overflows, it is the picture of somebody continuously filling up your cup and it is always overflowing so that you never run out. You always end up having enough. It is more than you can handle. That's great. That's what Jesus says, test me. And let's see what I'll do. You know, I just, in, in the last, probably, the, I, I just now became mature enough to start drinking coffee. Uh, probably about, you know, six, seven years ago. Now, I'm not a big coffee connoisseur. I, like, I drink like a cup or two a day, and that's about it. Um, I don't know the difference, really, between Folgers and Starbucks. So my, I'm, my, I'm, not, I'm not a coffee snob in, in any way. But whenever we go to eat breakfast somewhere, I've noticed that they have the coffee cups. I never noticed it before because I didn't drink coffee, but the coffee cups are on the tables. You know, they're, they're turned they're upside down on the saucer. Now, if you want to get coffee... If you want them to know that you want coffee, what do you do? You flip it over. You, you turn, they don't walk over there when it's upside down and just start pouring it on top of your cup. You know? That wouldn't work. If you want coffee, you turn it over. And it's then that you get filled. I thought, yeah, that's, that's exactly what the story is like. You know, if, if you're looking to be filled by God... If you're looking to experience God... Then folks, you have to, open your, you have to turn your cup over. And quit being a skeptic and just simply turn the cup over and say, let's just see what happens. 
God, I'm going to be open to you. Lord, I'm going to see if you're going to be true to your command. So how do I turn my cup over? It just simply involves being open to what God says. When the disciples responded to the challenge, they took what they had, and they didn't know what was going to happen. They just said, Lord, we're just going to give it to you. And then whenever they gave it to him, Jesus blessed, and he multiplied. And it only happened when they, in faith, gave what they had to God. Now let me ask you a question that you don't have to answer. Just think about it. Don't you, don't you long in your life to see God move? Don't you desire in your life to be able to pinpoint a moment where you step back and you say, that was God. God did that in my life. And here's the neat thing. Giving gives you the opportunity to see God move. I honestly believe this. I honestly believe, honestly believe that whenever we give, that God blesses us beyond what we can imagine. It is, it is you know, giving's neat to me and my family because it is something that is tangible that we can do. It is something that we, we tangibly are offering to God. And I believe that many of us as believers have missed out on seeing God move in our lives because we've been unable to release our grip on the things of this world. We haven't been able to, to release the power of giving because we want to hoard it for ourselves. Now I know that you know, typically giving messages are not the most popular messages that are ever given in church. But guys, here's, I, I believe this. I believe that when we give, when we are generous, that we see God move in powerful ways like we've never seen Him move before. Now, as I stand up here as a pastor speaking to y'all, let me tell you something. I'm speaking to myself. And I want my giving to be different. I don't want it to be I'm paying a tax. I don't want it to be I'm just, you know, punching the clock. I want it to be, Lord, I am giving because I'm showing you that I trust you. And God, I can't wait to see what you're going to do as I turn my cup over. You know, I want to start giving with what I have. I want to give what I have. I want to make sure that I'm giving it to Jesus. And then, and then when I do that, I want to step back and watch to see what will happen. Say, isn't that going to be cool? I'm, I'm giving and I can't wait to see what God does because I gave. Now, here's the deal for me and you today. Will you test God in that? You know, will you put God to the test? Are, are you ready to trust that when you give, that God's going to provide for you, that God's going to take care of you? Now, if you wonder, if you wonder if that's true, there's only one way to find out. Do what God says. He says, test me and see what I will do. And then here's what I believe. I believe as we test him, there are going to be some of you who are going to have some, some things happen where you say, that was God. And when that happens, you've got to tell me about it because I'm going to get you to tell the rest of the church about it. I mean, I'm not going to pull you up here. Then, I mean, maybe we'll do a little video or something. But I really believe that. I think that is one of the neat things that we can do and we can expect God to do something.